Your word says, if I lack wisdom, I should ask you in faith without wavering and that you would give it liberally without fault finding. I ask now for that wisdom and I believe that I receive it. And I say with my Lord Jesus that it must be about my father's business. Thank you for giving me your insight into my kingdom's success. In Jesus' name, I pray expecting, amen. Now say this with me, I'm a believer of the word of God. I am an epistle of the spirit of God. I am a disciple of my man of God. I am a finder of the destiny path of God for my life. Amen, amen. We're continuing on in our series on dynamics of destiny relationships. We just want to acknowledge those of you that are watching with us on Facebook Live. We're so excited that you're here as well with us. This is uh, a very exciting series. God is sharing with us some things in the word of God that I'm confident are being a blessing to you. I've had people, you know, sometimes people don't tell us that they're out there and then you see them. They say, hey, I was watching from all these other places. I'm like, you didn't tell me you was watching. Um, so we just like to have, like to know who's, who is uh, receiving the word. It's, it's just so that we get some sense of where and how far the word is, uh, is going. It's just a way for us to know the impact that the ministry is having. So we just encourage you um, like, share, you know, um, just give a shout out, hey, watching from and wherever you're watching from to do that. Um, even if you watch it after the live broadcast, we just like to see it and we do track that kind of information in the ministry just so that we can look and be effective at helping others experience the difference of destiny. We will have some information about how you can connect with us um, and help partner with us to help this ministry go forward and of upcoming events that we'll have in the ministry as well, all right? So we'll have that at the end, amen? So um, dynamics of destiny relationships, four objectives here. We've given you this before to illuminate, number one, the basic power of relationships, especially relationships that are developed for the purpose of glorifying God. Every relationship, God has all humanity in mind when he called you. Um, we, we gave a scripture on Sunday and from Psalm 22, where it said a seed shall serve him and it should be accounted for a generation. You are a seed that God wants to use how you relate to people to harvest other into the kingdom of God and how you do what you do matters to, to God. And so he's expecting you to glorify him in your relationships, even the difficult ones, not just the easy ones. Okay, um, that's an expectation that God has. Number two, to elaborate on the love connection is the key to empowering relationships, the principles upon which relationships consist and by which they are maintained and enhanced. And our statement is, is that um, sometimes we put more maintenance work in our cars than we do in the relationships that the cars are supposed to help us carry. Sometimes we spend more time um, man, we shine, I mean, you know, you know, brothers that really love their cars, not every brother, not every brother does, 
But the ones that do and then they shine that thing, you can't even, child, please, you, you, you better watch it. And then the relationships could just be like, you know, they'll let their relationship engine seize up even though they change the oil in that car every 3,000 miles religiously. I'm just saying. So there are maintenance parts of your relationship and there is an enhancement part too. Three, to differentiate the various types of spiritual, natural, and social relationships and their purpose from, for being for, from God's perspective. And we said na- um, marriage is both spiritual, natural, and social. It's all of that and a bag of chips. Number four, to motivate you to be more intentional in your relational roles at every level for relational success. Then we talked to you, um, we talked to you from Romans 10, 8 through 18, that if God doesn't send a preacher to preach on a certain area, people can't have faith in that area. They can't believe it. They can't call to it. And so they'll be shamed and they won't even call to God in an area that God wants to be rich in because they just don't know. And uh, what I realize is that the things that the Lord showed me in the word of God, I had been in church a long time and nobody told me. And because I didn't know, I just didn't know what to do. And, um, and so I am very forthright in the things that I'm sharing because I know the importance it is to hear the word on an area so that God can move for you in that area. All right. So we had a key statement. I think my key statement is next, right, uh, team? Okay, why don't you go ahead? Yes. We say that there is a grace of God to be either magnificently married and successfully single. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 describes it as a each one has its own gift or a grace. So there's favor on your life to be married or there's a favor to be single, right? And so you just have to be sensitive to whatever skin you're in, however you are, that you got grace to do what's required for that area today in Jesus' name. Now, um, if, if, if you're in faith, if you're in... <laughs> now, Jesus... The Apostle Paul said, if you're married, don't try to be single. Okay. So I'm not, <laughs> Lord, kill him, Jesus. Kill him, Lord. Take him to heaven so I can be single again. No, that's not what I'm asking you to pray for. But if you're single and you believe in God to be married, that's okay. Okay. All right. All right. Go on to the next one, media team. All right. So our core scripture uh, for this, even though for, for this session, we've been spending significant time in Song of Solomon. And I've really opened it up because it's a passage of scripture that the Lord showed me that I really want to make sure we get, um, we get some unique insights out of it as the Lord gave them to me and gave me the, um, the unction to preach them. So, um, but let's look at a couple key words in here that we want to key in on. Uh, Ephesians 5, 25 through 30 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church, for we are members of his body, of his flesh and his bones. So we said that the position that a husband has 
um, over his wife is the same position that Christ has over the church, but it's a position that, like Christ, utilizes his position to love. His lordship is about love. Um, and that's the, that's the expectation that God has for a husband. And that his love ministry, a husband to a wife, is supposed to fix her deficits just like the love ministry that Jesus Christ has to the church fixes the church's deficits. Somebody say amen. All right? The husband is the primary beneficiary of his own ministry. Um, he should see it as extended self-care. He that, he that loves his wife loves himself that he might present her to himself. So he is the primary beneficiary of his own ministry, right? And then the husband should wash, nourish, and cherish, to feed and cause to grow, to supply with nutrients, and to treat with tenderness and affection, to give warmth, ease, and comfort to you, all right? And so we said that um, we reminded you that um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given of God. That includes the book of Revelation and the Song of Solomon, which has a lot to do with how the man of God or even the woman of God is, is completely furnished for their relational work because relationships are work. Okay. And so this one is really talking about something that we have as far as I can tell, even now, I, every once in a while, I just go out and say, this, am I hearing anybody, even in marriage ministry, like this passage of scripture in Ephesians, if you were in a marriage class, you would hear somebody say this. this how many people have ever heard people minister on that? But the people who have met, heard ministry on that, some of them have never heard ministry from the book of Song of Solomon. Never. Right? And so that's an important thing. If we got a whole book of the Bible that God's given us important information and we know nothing about it, then uh, that just shows us that this thing is very important. So there's some key statements I gave you um, before that I want to reemphasize. Number one, sex is good and it is from God. The Holy Spirit is the greatest, and this is the word he gave me, sexpert there is, right? So never let the devil tell you that everybody out there is having fun and they have more fun than, we, than us in here. That's not true. He lying. How you know the devil's lying? His lips are moving. All right, going to the next one. The word of God is graphic, but it is not pornographic. God gives some very, some specificity here because if we are not specific, we will be, we will be either specifically right or generally wrong. <laughs> And so God's given us some information that we need to know. All right, let's go on to the next one. Um, Pastor David, where did you get all of this stuff from that, you, that you're telling us? Well, I got it out of my meditation. And this is what God taught me, is that biblical meditation is a God-ordained, mind-altering substance. This, is, this comes from Joshua 1, 6 through 8, right? This book of the law shall not, shall not depart out of your mouth. Um, but you shall meditate in it day and night, okay? So um, the scripture in, in Psalm chapter 1 says that uh, in his law, you meditate day and night, right? He says, if you meditate, then you will make your own way prosperous. You will see how to do it. If you meditate, you will see how to do it. You will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Going to the next one. Right? 
So what is biblical meditation? Verbalization plus visualization equals biblical meditation. All right, I spelled that wrong, didn't I? All right. Supposed to be meditation, not mediation. All right, forgive me for that one. Hopefully the screen team will help me get that right. Okay. Um, so, so biblical meditation, some people, some people verbalize the word, but they don't verbalize it to see it. Okay. So this, this stuff came out of me actually saying these things and I was picturing and when I started picturing, God started talking. Right. Why? Because when you verbalize to visualize, like, like I gave the saints on Sunday, I said, there are these four pictures you, you need to have that I'm crucified with Christ. Now, we say, it, we, we say there's scripture to say, I'm crucified with Christ. But do you actually see yourself up on a cross? When, you, when, when the devil's tempting you to do something wrong, do you see yourself like, I can't do that anymore because I'm stuck up? <laughs> okay, so that picture that now see, if you actually verbalize it, that when you are facing something that has been difficult for you to get over, and you actually spend time saying out of your mouth that I'm crucified with Christ and seeing yourself stuck there, I'm telling you, you that stuff will change you. It'll change you. It's designed to change you. It's the word of God, but it's actually you taking the time, right? This book of the law does not depart out of your mouth, but you shall observe, you shall see how to do it. He will actually show people how to do it. And the problem is we have two levels of problems. One level of problem is people don't even study the word. So all of their Bible comes when they're in the church. And you spend, too, you spend a lot more time out of, outside of here than you do inside of here. But even the people who study don't even know how to meditate. And it's right there in the Bible. It's not like, like what I showed you, there's scripture. I didn't make that up on my own, right? But even people who study the Bible don't go beyond study to meditate because it takes a long time to get in a single scripture and meditate it until you see it. Like if you see yourself poor, and then you and then you confessing. Some people spit out scriptures, you know, uh, how you doing? I'm blessed. And then they get all angry with you like you hurt. They, like, like they trying to tell you off. You the one got the need, not me. I'm like, man, you know, don't be coming for me like I'm blessed. I know I'm blessed. Listen, listen, listen. If you haven't meditated that thing enough that it's starting to change your financial situation then do you know it? You, you're not quite there yet. Now, that doesn't mean you don't know where the scripture and verse is. But meditation is supposed to change the way you see yourself and see your situation to the point that you know how to do something that you didn't know how to do before you meditated. And if, you, and if it's not there yet, then you're not done meditating. Okay? So what some people do is they spot out scriptures that they've studied Wondering why it doesn't work when they haven't even meditated it until they see themselves. It's one thing to, to know where the scripture says that you're more than a conqueror. It's another thing when you're facing a situation that has beaten you so many times before to now be able to see yourself as conquering. 
Okay. Right? It's one thing to say, you know, I'm out of debt and my needs are met. You can find scriptures to say that, you know, but it's another thing when you're there facing the bill collector. Right? That's it. Now it's a whole, we're in a whole different place when I'm facing situations to then know how to speak those things and then to have said it long enough to you see yourself with it. Now, Pastor Dave, why is that important? Because Lady Nedra and I was confessing about a house, but I still didn't want to go look at the open houses because I was still scared. What? You guys, men of faith and power. Okay. All right. I'm just, I'm telling you. He fixed it, though. I stuck with it because I understood that the process will work if I just work the process. I stuck with it until I got, it, I got through it, but I had to work that thing. That thing didn't come out easy. And sometimes people have studied things and haven't gone through the process of meditation. All right. So we said that meditation, verbalization plus visualization equal biblical meditation. And then, all right, next one. And this was, I, I told you this on the 20th of February. If you meditate, you will not fornicate or masturbate in Jesus' name. I'm, that's still true. Hallelujah. And I said masturbation is just self-serve fornication anyway, but that's another story for a different day. In Jesus' name, that's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, I wanted to, I'm going to go back through my list, but I, I also have some, some things I want to show here. If you can zoom in on this, if you would, for me. Can you zoom in on this? Thank you, thank you, thank you. So um, there is a book, um, two books that I have here that were very instrumental in the stuff I'm doing now. This one, um, both of them, there's a series by um, Dr., the late Dr. Miles Monroe. This one says, Understanding the Purpose and Power of Woman, a book for women and the men who love them. And then there's a companion series. I think this one probably came out first, Understanding the Purpose and Power um, of Men. And um, these books here, they changed my life. Listen, listen. After, after the Bible, Lady Nedra is certainly glad I've read this book in Jesus' name. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, Dr. Miles Monroe's revelation on this stuff was like earth-shattering for me. And um, so in, in a lot of this, the things that I'm sharing with you, uh, came out of Song of Solomon plus a little bit of this mixed in. So um, just so that you guys know, some people like to do the extra homework. If you're an extra homework person, um, these books are really good. I may actually go through them in women's and men's ministry one day. Um, they have study guides that go with them, companion study guides. I think, um, and, and I'm not even saying, okay, men should just get this one. I'm saying the sisters should get this stuff because what he, he broke some stuff down and this, you know, this thing that he wrote on men and helps me understand my role um, as a husband, as a father, what, what, what God says a man is designed to do I, was, was some of the real fundamental um, teachings that I have. And they really do guide my life in a, in a big way. So I encourage those that are interested. I'm certain you can find them online. Um, great books. All right. Okay, so 12 Intimacy Secrets from the Song of Solomon. I think we have been through one through three. Yes, we've been to one through three, and then we're going to start at four. But let's just go through the list, um, starting from, from number one, and then just for, just for review. Number one, 
The intimacy interaction with your wife is designed to remove all sense of her self-consciousness related to her beauty or past hurts. And we saw that in Song of Solomon chapter, chapter one, she felt she had, some, she had some beauty issues and she had some childhood hurt issues. But by the end of, in chapter eight, she was through all of that and it was because of how he loved her. Number two, if you walk in your kingly role as God intended, you will be attractive to a lot of women, but only attracted to one. And we said attraction is a choice. You got to choose. Why in, in the book of Proverbs, it says, will you be ravished? Will you be enticed by a strange woman? You got to decide that. Nobody can decide that for you. And that's why when I'm counseling people, when people have veered off, I'm like, listen, um, now you, you can make it hard on your spouse. You can make it hard. Right. That's why we end dynamics of destiny relationships. So you know how to make it easy on your spouse to love you. You can make it hard. But even if it's hard, the decision to go out is, on, is everybody's got to make that decision for themselves. You can't, you know, you can't, you can't put that all off on somebody else. All right. Number three, you are designed to pursue her, talking about your bride, with word pictures like Jesus did with parables. A woman must be aroused mentally through passionate word pursuit to be aroused sexually. Hallelujah. So this scripture was this. I mean, that one was a really important point. And we spent a lot of time in that. Because Song, Song of Solomon, you know, your eyes are like this and this and this and this. And so he was very descriptive with words. Right. Because you can't you can't just be grunting at your wife. Food, money, sex, food, sex, money. Can't do that, man. Can't do that. That's not the Bible, right? Jesus pursued us with the word, right? And so that's God's expectation for us. All right, number four, number four. Now, these other ones are going to go a little bit faster. Um, so I may get through several of them today. Number four says, use, hand, use your hands to touch and caress. All right, so let's start there. Song of Solomon 2, um, 6 and 7. Song of Solomon 2, 6 and 7. All right. So um, use your hands to touch and caress. All right. Um, his left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. Verse 7 says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles, or by the doze of the field, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Um, and in the King James, it says, don't awaken my love till he please. All right. Now look at that. Um, yeah. Now um, go back to verse, go back to verse four on that one. Read it to you. He brought me to the banqueting house. His banner over me was love. Sustain me with cakes of raisins. Refresh me with apples, for I am lovesick. His left hand is under my head. His right hand embraces me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field. Do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases, or my love till he pleases. All right? So the word here, when it says that his left hand is under my head, head and his right hand embraces me, that word embrace is literally talking about a sexually intimate touch. We would say uh, his right hand fondled me. 
Now, you know, I'm just giving you what the, what the King James Hebrew English, what that word was. So it literally he was descri- she was describing sexual positioning. Okay. Um, so uh, the word here the, is if your meditation is rich enough, you, you can see. Now, see, this is, that's why I'm telling you I meditated this out because God began to talk to me as I'm reading all of this through. All right? So you should care for your hands, brothers, right? Dwelling with your wife according to knowledge. You should care for your hands as a tool of intimacy. Don't be all rough and stuff in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. So um, use your hands to touch and caress. That's an important thing. Number five, go back to my big list. Five says, slow down. Easy does it. Make sure she's satisfied first, especially emotionally, because once you're done, you're done. All right. Now let's look at Song of Solomon 2, 6, and 7. Um, just, I'm going to read those again. And then we're going to go to Song of Solomon 8, um, 3 through 4. All right. So his left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field. Do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Now look at Song of Solomon 8, 3 and 4. There's another one of these that says the same thing, but I'm skipping it just to give you the example here. All right. His left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not stir nor awaken love until it pleases. Pastor David, now what did you get out of this? I'm just telling you. Can I tell you the way the Lord showed it to me? All right. So um, there's a lot that happened between, between the embrace of the one verse and then the sleeping of the, of the husband and the next verse. Right? So what he is describing is, he is describing, um, he is des- he's describing that this embracing was the doorway to full sexual intimacy, and when it was done, Solomon was fully relaxed and off to sleep. However, because his bride was satisfied, she protected his rest, not protested his rest. Oh, that's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yeah. She protected, not protested, because she was already satisfied. Okay. Right? Now, that's important because brothers, when they're done, they're done. Right? Um, and so that's a, that's a key revelation that the Lord gave me there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I think y'all got that. In Jesus' name. I didn't hear no amens, but I still think you got it. All right. Number, <laughs> number six um, on my list. Let's go back to the list. Utilize sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell to create an atmosphere for intimacy. All right? Now, this is, this is one of those male-female differences. Because the brothers, if he's ready, he's ready. He's not he, he doesn't have to be environmentally supported, but that's not the way God created the female to be. 
environment matters. All right. And so uh, we've already discussed sight because we described how he saw her and he said certain things when he saw her. But we also described sound, both the sound of her husband's words and the sound of music. Pastor David, we didn't talk about the, it's the song of Solomon. Song, song, song. Song means music every day. Hallelujah. All right. Now we've, we've talked about touch. But then the Bible also addresses taste and smell as well. Now you can go through all of these. I'm just going to grab one of these out, one of these examples out, which is Song of Solomon chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 10 through 16. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And it says, how fair is your love, my sister, my spouse? How much better than wine is your love and the scent of your perfume than all spices? So there's some smell there. Your lips, oh, my spouse, drip as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under your tongue. And the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. A garden closes, my sister, my spouse, a spring shed up, a fountain sealed. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruits, fragrant henna with spikenard, spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon with all trees of frankincense, myrrhs and aloe with all the chief spices, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters and streams from Lebanon. Awake, awake, O north wind, and come, O south, blow up on my garden that its spices may flow out. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat of its pleasant fruits. So um, their intimate experience was fully sensory, right? So all five senses are used. Now, um, a couple things. If we remember our series, the strange woman was using all five senses to do what she was doing too, wasn't she? Okay, and so our statement is that the enemy is using, the wrong people are using the right methods. <laughs> Jesus said it this way, the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. And what was he saying? The wrong people are using the right methods and trying to succeed. And they're succeeding at doing wrong, but then the people who God made this stuff for don't use it to do right. Okay. So all I'm saying is, listen, these tools didn't come from the devil. All he can do is misuse stuff that God made. They came from God. You're married. Use the tools he gave you. Right? Okay. Create the full sensory experience. All right, go on to number seven. Now, this one's going to sound real shallow, but I, I'm, I, it's really, really deep. Your sex is better if your money is right. That sounds real shallow. That sounds real shallow, but that is very, very deep. Okay. Pastor David, now why, what is what? Listen, listen. When people are under financial stress, 
their relationships get tested. Now, I'm not saying, can you, are you saying people don't get through that? No, I, I didn't say that. Don't hear what I didn't say. I didn't say that. You know, but Bill come in the house. He'll get in the bed with you. Right? Husband on one side, wife on the other. Bill will sleep right there in the middle of between y'all. Light bill, gas bill, mortgage bill, cable bill, school bill. All bill will get in that mix with you. Do not get it twisted. Okay? And so, um, we just have to be in faith. That's why we do what we do. Listen, listen. This is why this is why I like I know prosperity preachers get a bad rap. I know that. I know people think all the preacher wants your money. But listen, I'm sorry. I can't not preach what's in the Bible just cuz there's people out there who don't know the Bible who who don't like it. I can't I can't do that. Because Jesus said one of the anointings that's on the preachers to preach the gospel to the poor. People that have a lack, good news to them is that God wants to supply you. And I have to preach that. I have to preach that. Okay. Now, I didn't say, I didn't say give all, see, there was nothing in what I said that said get all, give all your money to the church. I'm telling you, you need to keep you some. Right? That's what your pastor say. You need to have you a grip. <laughs> okay. You, <laughs> you, need to, you need to have you some cash, man. All right. So where did you get that out of Song of Solomon? Okay. Let's look at it. Song of Solomon chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. Solomon had a vineyard at Baal Haman. He leased the vineyard to keepers. Everyone was to bring for it its fruit, a thousand silver coins. My own vineyard is before me. You, O Solomon, may have a thousand, and those who tend its fruits, two hundred. So listen, listen, listen. Solomon was a business owner. He had fields, and he leased those out, and then they made enough money to have a living wage, but he got paid. I'm just saying. It's in the Bible. Now, you might just believe that God was wasting word to put this in this whole chapter. Why in the middle of all of that? Because listen, listen. It, when, people's, when people are under financial stress, everything's affected. I've just counseled too much. When the money is bad, I'm telling you, everything's affected. So I read this, and I was just like, well, praise God. Solomon was a king, and you gave him all of that. I was like, Lord, your word says you made me a king and priest too in Jesus' name. I need to have my vineyards too. I'm just saying, I, I use this to just believe God that he was going to do what he did for him, he can do for me. That's all I'm saying. I'm just telling you, don't leave that out. Now, Pastor David. Um, are there scriptures where people didn't have their finances together? Yeah, yeah, the children of Israel were in slavery in Exodus. And they was in slavery, and they only had one, one out. 
So Pharaoh was trying to get them to kill the babies, especially the baby boys. But every time they, they would get, have more babies. Why would they have more babies? Because that was the only play. <laughs> they only had one will release, right? So I'm not saying that people who, who aren't in financial struggle, <laughs> you know, I'm just telling you that those financial struggles affects, affects your marital intimacy. And so part of you believing for the grace to be married is believing for God to turn financial situations around. You need to be active about it. You need to be believing it. You need to be speaking it. Lord, I, part of my grace to be married is to have enough financial resource to, to take care of my house and not always be praying. Spend all my prayer time talking to you about bills. All right? So I'm just challenging you, don't leave that out of it when God put it in. Does that make sense? Okay. Number eight, number eight. Spend money to get your wife out of the routine. Let me say that again. Spend money to get your wife out of the routine. In marriage, vacation is as important as vocation. I am, that's some good preaching there, Pastor David. That is some, yeah, I know you're preaching good. Amen, Pastor. Tell him. That's that, but that's really what the Bible says. Okay, where did you get that from in the Bible? Okay, let me show you. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. And then I'm going to go to chapter 4. Verse 7 and 8. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 9. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he stands behind our wall. He is looking through the windows, gazing through the lattice. My beloved spoke and said to me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Let's get out of the routine. Let's have a vacation getaway. Okay, if it wasn't important, it wouldn't be in the Bible. That's all I'm going to say. All right, now let's look at chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. You are all fair, my love, and there is no spot in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my spouse, with me from Lebanon. Look from the top of Amena, from the top of Sinar and Hermon, from the lion's den, from the mountains of the leopards. Okay, so he was saying, let's get out of the routine. Let's, let's have a vacation. Let's have a sweetheart getaway. Come away. Let's, let's get out of the routine. Now listen, Solomon lived in a palace, so he could have just had a, I call them staycations where you can't really afford to go no place. You just kick everybody else out. Hey, I'm down with staycations. Staycations. Vacations is a beautiful thing sometimes, okay? Sometimes you just got to be like, kids, y'all got to go. We just, we just going to have some we time. Y'all got to go. Especially when you get your kids old enough, you kick them out. Kick them, they teenage, kick them dudes out. Y'all got to go, <laughs> okay? But there should be some time, there should be time where you prioritize 
plan and budget to get out and get away. All right? I can't afford to do that. Then you need to be, you need to be praying. You need to be sowing. That's it. Now, listen, you can't do that if you gave all the money to the church. So you can't, don't put me in the loop with those pastors that's trying to take every dime you got. I'm not one of them dudes. Okay? I, I, I'm not telling you you got to spend all, <laughs> this, I didn't say we, we, you got to spend all your money going on, on church conferences. That's not, what I, that's not what I said. All right? I'm saying you should, in the midst of your budget, and, and if they, they can be small getaways. Listen, if you can't go no further than Frank and move, go out to Frank and move. And there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, you, but there should be, there should be within your plan, within the, your, your, the things that you believe concerning the grace to be married, there should be times when you, are, you, have, you have set resource aside to go away from the routine to focus on your marriage as a husband and wife, to have fun time, to have play time away from the daily grind. Okay? That is a part of, that is a part of your marriage maintenance and enhancement. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you do that enough, like, God will start talking to you. Some people are like, Pastor David, God don't talk to me because you ain't in the, you, you still stuck in the grind. He can't get through. It's not because he ain't trying to talk to you. All you hear is the grind. You hear Monday and Tuesday. You hear Wednesday and Thursday. You hear payday, bill pay, and then let's do it again next week. That's all you hear, and you can't hear nothing else. It's not that he ain't trying to talk. I'm just telling you, you get yourself out of the zone and start just spending time with your spouse. He's going to start talking to you about your marriage. But you got to be willing to be focused and intentional about it. All right? Number nine, number nine. We're almost done. See, we, this, we make it, I knew this day would go a little faster because um, these are smaller, smaller things, but they are really important ones too. Amen? Number nine on the list, it says, it matters as a man how you present yourself to your wife. Don't just let your appearance go. She wants a knight in shining armor. Okay. So let's talk about that one for a minute. Um, Pastor David, why was this one so important to you? Because in our society, um, men put unrealistic devil standards for appearance on women that they don't hold themselves to. Okay? They put unrealistic devil standards on women that they don't hold themselves to. And then they'll say stuff like, but well, she just let herself go. And then I'm like, dude, man, I'm, I'm looking at you saying, man, okay. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. And then, and then, and, yeah, and then I'm like, man, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, bro. I mean, I'm like, listen, listen, you're not doing nothing, and then you're all upset. I mean, at least she had the children. She had a reason. I mean, it wasn't like you did that. 
okay? And um, so, but in this scripture, not only does Solomon describe to the, how the Shunammite woman looked, she turned that thing around, and then she described his appearance. So let's look at that one. This is Song of Solomon chapter 5, and I'm reading verses 8 through 16. And it says, I charge you, all daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, that you tell him I am lovesick. What is your beloved more than any other beloved, O fairest among women? What is your beloved more than any other beloved that you so charge us? Why are your man so different than all these other brothers out here? What make your man so special? Oh, you want to know how, why my man is all of that plus a bag of chips. All right, so let's listen to how she, how she answers. My beloved is white and ruddy, chief among 10,000. His head is like the finest gold. His locks are wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the rivers of waters, washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are like a bed of spices, banks of scented herbs. His lips are lilies, dripping liquid myrrh. His hands are rods of gold set with barrel. His body is carved ivory inlaid with sapphires. That, that, mean, that didn't sound like he was jiggling all around. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. She said carved ivory. Okay. That's a whole different picture. I'm just saying. His legs are pillars of marble set on bases of fine gold. His countenance is like Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet. Yes, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. Ah, so it wasn't just her making sure her game was up. Bro man was taking care of some stuff. I mean, he was taking care, he was making sure he, he, he came to her a certain way. He had a certain swag. She talked about the way the brother walked in. He walked in. He moved a certain way towards her. He had a certain swag to this thing. He, listen, 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 listen. Don't just have game before you get married and then throw your game away once you done married her. Don't just be all pursuing before you get her and then now that you got her, the pursuit's over. That's, that's not biblical. Now, see, I have to tell people that this because some people are, oh, you just saying stuff. No, I want to show you that you sinning if you don't do what I just said. I'm, I gave you Bible. I gave you scripture, chapter, and verse. Now, I ain't telling you you're going to hell, but you're going to make your marriage hell if you don't do something to fix it. I'm just saying, okay? I'm just saying. If you're not working on these things, your marriage is beneath what God intended. All righty. Number 10. I may spend a little time on this one. This one might be, and then I can pick up the last two next week. I think I may just go in and we'll do 11 and 12 um, next week. All right, so 10. Timing is everything, both seasonal and sexual. Be okay with missing each other's moments, but keep pursuing. So there's a lot um, 
in this scripture, and this is one of the key revelations that um, of the ones that I said so far that I really got. I read it in the scripture, but it came alive to me when I read it in Miles Monroe's book on, on, on the woman, um, just about how their, a woman's physical body has seasons associated with it and how we can kind of miss that and then we miss each other. Okay, so um, let's look at this in um, Song of Solomon 2. I'm going to start reading at verse 10 and go down through verse 13. I got three chapters, um, three different chapters to see the same point in. Chapter 2, verse 10. My beloved spoke and said to me, rise up, my love my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past. The winter is past. So he's talking about a seasonal thing. He's like, listen, baby, I done waited now. Time is right. Okay, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth. The time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. Verse 13 the fig tree puts forth her green figs and the vine with the tender grapes give a good smell. Hallelujah. Up, rise up, my, fair, my love, my fair one, and come away. Amen, amen. All right, so what was he saying? All right, I done waited. Time's right now. Timing is right, okay? Now let's look at Chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. And it says, by night on my bed, I sought the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. So there were some missed moments here. I will rise now, I said, and go about the city in the streets and in the squares. I will seek the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. The watchmen who go around the city found me. I said, have you seen the one I love? Scarcely had I passed by them when I found the one I love. I held him. I would not let him go until I had brought him to the house of my mother into the chamber of her who conceived me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles of the does of the field, do not stir nor awaken love until it pleases or until he pleases. All right? So we talked about that piece before. But notice there was a timing thing. I was seeking and, I, and then I had missed. Right? Now look at chapter 5. And I'm going to read verses 2 through 6. I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved. He knocks, saying, open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my heart, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. Then she responds, I have taken off my robe. How can I put it on again? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? <laughs> I'm sleepy. <laughs> Go away. You bother me, kid. I'm sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Strangers in the night, exchanging glances, wondering in the night, what were their chances? All right. So clearly, they were, they were at two different moments, right? Hallelujah. Um, verse 4, 
my beloved put his hand by the latch of the door and my heart yearned for him. So, all right, she shook herself and he spent enough time pursuing her or courting her until, all right, all right, she got, she got woke. She really woke up, right? That's what it's saying. Verse five says, I, I arose to open for my husband and my hands dripped with myrrh my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had turned away and was gone. My heart leaped up when he spoke. I sought him, but I could not find him. I called him, but he gave me no answer. So do you see that there were some missed moments here? Okay. So part of, part of the, um, when we had it in our, in our, uh, the key point, the timing is everything, seasonal and sexual, be okay with miss, missing each other's moments. There'll be time that you'll be ready and the other partner won't. And you can't be pushing it like, okay, I'm ready. Stop that. Stop. Stop. Not biblical. Okay? You have to be okay. But you both need to be okay with pursuing. Pursuing. Right? Um, and so one... One of, one of uh, Dr. Moreau's insight is that men can be instant, in season and out of season. <laughs> but, he said, but he said that, that there's a seasonal nature in the way God created a woman's body to perform. All right? Uh, and that season, and he said it's four seasonal. I was like, Wow. And he says, and sometimes it's winter and you just need to put your coat on and just go on and turn over and go to sleep, bro. Just put your coat on. <laughs> because the power of the seed must yield to the principle of the season. That's Pastor David's terminology for that. Okay, so you might be ready, but it's just not the right season and you're just going to have to wait. And doing hardness is a good soldier. <laughs> <laughs> okay and it's okay this is supposed to be okay because part of the part of the fun is in the intimacy of pursuit one of the reasons why you want to spend as much time courting courting it should be fun you should listen listen when you when you're single like single people in sins, enjoy the pursuit, right? They enjoy trying to seduce and get somebody a certain way. That's not for them. Married people are supposed to enjoy seducing your bride, being attractive to your husband, right? The pursuit, the chase is supposed to be fun. You're supposed to have fun. This is not supposed to be a chore. Right? And so you should be okay. And, and when it comes up, man, I thought we were there and we weren't. Well, well, praise God. And you keep it moving. All right. I think you guys got that. Say amen if you understand the principle I just said. All right. Um, then I guess I can... I'm going to try to go ahead and finish these because I think I can finish. Um, number 11 on the list. There is 
angelic assistance to help you get your love life right. Angels, according to the book of Psalms, angels are ministers that minister to those of us that are heirs of salvation. And they hearken to the word. Well, angels, if they're going to help you with all other areas, angels will help you in this area too. They don't leave out critical parts of your life. Okay. That... I was meditating this the last time we taught it, and then the Lord reminded me about how Joseph was about to not marry Mary. And an angel spoke to him and said, no, that's, that's God's son there. Just hang on. If you hold on a little while, God going to give you some kids later. But right now, you just need to hold tight right here. All right. Angel also appeared to him when he had to save the child. I'm just trying to get people to realize that, that there is supernatural assistance to help you get your marriage right, even in the areas of intimacy with you and your spouse. God will send supernatural, unseen help to help you. So if you out at the store... And then you feel like something's telling you to buy some flowers. Listen, 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 listen. Something told me I needed to. You better stop what you're doing. It might be your angel trying to help you. Stay married. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You have, you have a thought that's intrusive and it's not the way you normally think, but it's moving you to do something that you know your wife might like. Child, please stop. Slow down. Angels are trying to help you. Now, how did you get this out of Song of Solomon? Turn to Sol I'm glad you asked that question. Song of Solomon, chapter 3, starting at verse 6. We're going to go down to verse 8. Who is this coming out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke perfumed with myrrh and frankincense with all the merchants fragrant powders behold it is Solomon's couch with 60 valiant men around it of the valiant of Israel they all hold swords being expert at war every man has his sword on his thigh because of fear in the night. Now, I read that, and I said Solomon had an army. He had an entourage around him, and the Lord said to me, but you got one too. They're just angelic. Oh, yeah. Angels, angels are trying to keep your marriage together. Yeah, they're there fighting for you, but they hearken to the voice of the word. If you're not speaking any word, you're not giving them nothing to fight with. Yeah. Praise the Lord. That's some good stuff there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why us having these scriptures is so important. I, that's why I didn't want you just to have stuff I said without having some word that you can speak into your situation because angels hearken to the voice of the word. Right? 
Bless the Lord, ye his angels, that excel in strength, hearkening to the voice of the word. All right, the last one is number 12, and then we're, we're done for the day. And it says, if you so love as a husband, because your wife is designed to receive, multiply, and return, she meets you and raises your love life to the next level. Why? Because the harvest is always bigger than the seed. All right. So that's one of those things that, um, um, you know, definitely that was a core revelation that I had. Uh, Bishop Jabur really drilled that um, into me is that um, a, a woman is designed to receive, multiply, and return. So if you say, a, you say something idle that you don't even mean, she will take that thing, get pregnant with it, and then she will give you a baby back. It'll have a life of its own. So don't be, man, it seems like it come up every time I done seen the guy pass it. You did that, bruh. That's you. You did that. <laughs> okay. But it doesn't have to just be negative. God made her that way. God made her that way. Let me say it one more time. God made her that way. Let me say it one more, one more time. God made her that way. Okay, so it doesn't have to be negative. It's the way God designed it. The, the issue is you've just been using the wrong seed. But if you take this principle and turn it around and use the right seed, She'll get pregnant with that, and then you'll be happy with the result. That's what it says when you nourish her and wash her and cherish her with the washing of water by the word. You minister to her. You, you actually are loving in, in yourself because you'll present her to yourself, and you'll get the benefit of it. All right. And um, Pastor David, what scripture in Song of Solomon do you have for that? Well, that was actually the one in chapter five, verses eight through 16, because Solomon started out talking to her and then she turned around and started talking the same way about him. She took the love that he gave her and then turned it right back on him. Um, there was a great man of God that talked about this principle. Um, his name was Derek Prince, Derek Prince. He's gone to be with the Lord many years ago. Um, and uh, remember when, um, when Joseph, um, not, not, not Jesus' stepfather, but uh, the dreamer Joseph, he had the dream and he said, I saw the sun and the moon and 11 stars bow down to me. And then his father Jacob said, when he saw the sun, you're saying me. Jacob said, am I going to bow down to you? The moon was the mother. And 11 stars were his brothers. Right? Okay. Now, here's the revelation. The moon has no light on its own. The moon, naturally speaking, is the most is one of the most reflective, maybe the most reflective metal on the, in the universe 
because all it does is reflect the light that comes on it from the sun. Pastor David, what are you saying? A wife is to reflect the love that is initiated by her husband, the way the church reflects the love that's initiated by Jesus. The light that's coming back to you is the light's reflecting off of you, brother. That's what I want you to get. She is created to receive what you give it, multiply it, and then give it back to you in a greater form than what you gave it to her. That is a design. That's not just a physical design. What Dr. Miles says, says, he says a woman has three wombs, her spirit, her soul, and her body. And each one will create life. So be careful what you give. Make a choice. Be good. Be wise, bruh. Be wise. Okay. All right. Um, and that's all the revelation that I have today. Did this bless you?